This drasha is being recorded Motzei Shabbos, Parshas Bahar Bechu Kosai. The Shabbos in Beth Shalom was the annual Israel Bonds Shabbos. Uh, Israel Bonds has existed for 72 out of the 75 years of Israel's existence and has raised over $48 billion from investors all over the world, supporting the mission of Israel and advancing its forward-looking economy. And with all that's going on this past week, in Israel, really an appropriate time to uh, offer our support. We were supposed to have in Shul a very special speaker. We had arranged to have Elon Davidi, who is the mayor of Sterot, was going to speak with us Shabbos morning. And as I suspected, as soon as uh, the missiles began to fall in uh, southern Israel and then throughout the land over the course of this week, I was pretty sure he was going to be headed home, uh, which is indeed what happened. So we were not able to have uh, Elon. We wish him and the entire city of Sterot uh, peace and security. Uh, I did have the chance uh, this week to go to Washington, D.C. It was actually, I went on, Washington, uh, on Wednesday uh, with NORPAC uh, to meet with senators and congressmen, which was also very appropriate with all that was going on literally Wednesday morning as we were on the bus on the way to D.C. is when we began to get all of the reports of that which was taking place uh, following Tuesday's uh, attack that Israel uh, took out a number of uh, militants in Gaza. And uh, NORPAC was really my first experience there. It was a, a great opportunity. I just wanted to share one insight from that which happened. Uh, I, I was there for three meetings with senators, with Senator Lisa Mukarski of uh, Alaska and Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming and Mitch McConnell of uh, Kentucky. When I met with the Kentucky representatives, I had the great uh, op- opportunity to express to them that I had, the oppor- I had the great merit of being born in the state of Kentucky. And if you want to see the look of surprise on a congressman's face, uh, be there when a rabbi like me tells him that he was born in Kentucky. Uh, great opportunity. Uh, and each one of the senators, we had four speaking points, four talking points that we wanted to share with them. Uh, the first was what's called a light ask, which was getting them to sign on a bill just celebrating Israel's 75th anniversary. This bill already made it through the House. Uh, believe it or not, it passed 401 to 19. You can guess who the 19 were who uh, voted against uh, celebrating Israel's 75th anniversary. It's now in the Senate, and so we were asking the senators to please uh, put their name on it to, uh, to acknowledge and celebrate this uh, special occasion. Uh, the second thing was the, the military aid. There's been a, a memorandum of understanding already since 2020 uh, that Israel has sent $3.8 billion in military aid every year, 500,000, 500 million of which are designated for missile development. So that was, of course, uh, very critical to be able to share those thoughts. Interestingly, 75% of that aid has to be spent in the U.S., and by 2028, all 100% of the $3.8 billion will be spent in the U.S. developing the military infrastructure, which is then sent uh, back over to Israel. So it supplies over 20,000 jobs here in the U.S., but it has to be voted on every year. So we wanted to make sure that the uh, senators were well aware and that they would be in favor of continuing this critical aid. Then, of course, the third talking point had to do with Iran and all of the shenanigans that they are involved with, particularly over the last couple of weeks, hijacking oil tankers. And lastly, and very interestingly, was in regards to the textbooks that the Palestinian Authority uh, uses throughout um, throughout uh, Israel. And this was interesting because the students who came with us to D.C., the high school students were the one who presented that particular talking point, discussing how important textbooks are to students, how they read textbooks and assume that everything in there is true. And the P.A. textbooks are filled with lies and hatred and glorifying the martyrs and the terrorists.
And these students were talking to the senators, letting them know, like, how are we ever going to have peace if the U.S. is funding the U.N., which is funding the PA textbooks, and they're just perpetuating this hatred and bringing that to their attention that we really need uh, to make efforts in all of that. A, a, a wonderful time. It was important to let the senators know um, that there are Americans who feel strongly about these things. What I want to share was that before we even got to these talking points, in our very first meeting, uh, I was in the group with uh, Stanley Stern, and he opened up. Now, we had... Uh, the group of us, us on the bus, were the entire bus ride were focused on what was going on in Israel and the rockets and the missiles that are falling and the pictures of the beaches being evacuated in Tel Aviv and all the various stories and pictures. It was, we were living that as it was happening in real time throughout the day. And so when we got into our first meeting, um, Stanley opened up and said, we really just want to thank you for taking the time to meet with us and I just want to let you know what it's like. I have a daughter, he said, who lives in Tel Aviv. He actually had just landed that morning from Tel Aviv. And he pointed to another member of our group. And he also has a daughter who lives in Tel Aviv. And I just want to describe to you what it's like when you hear a siren in the middle of the day and you have to go run and pick up your child from kindergarten, from first grade, looking for a bomb shelter. This is just not a way to live. And he was describing what it's like. And the look on the senator and their staff's face was just totally blank. A look of, what are, you, what are you talking about? And it occurred to me as he was saying this, that they actually had no idea what was going on in Israel. This is, it was fresh news. And CNN and Fox News, they weren't reporting it. Even Friday, I checked, it only made it onto their world page. But on the regular page, it's not news. Nobody cared. So that... That which is so important to us, but the congressmen, the senators, they didn't even know about it. They were literally looking like, what? What what are you talking about? Siren running for bomb shelters? What? And it was like, oh, we have to like backtrack. And like, oh, let me let me explain to you what's going on. And literally they took out their phones and they showed them the pictures of the beaches in Tel Aviv and they showed them pictures of people running through the streets. But we had to let them know what was going on. I wouldn't expect anything different from a senator of Alaska or Wyoming or Kentucky to be up to date on what's going on in Israel. But it's a very important sentiment because we do. When our brothers and sisters, figuratively and literally, those of us who have family in Israel, siblings, children, parents, of course, we have to know that which is going on. You can't be caught with, I, I, I didn't even know what was happening. And that idea... That idea is really a central piece of one of the most dramatic phrases that we read in the parsha, the second of our two parshas, Bechukosai, has contains within it the toichacha, the rebuke, the, the, all the calamities, the terrible things that the Torah describes, the admonition of what will happen if the Jews do not follow in Bechukosai Tim Asu, if we are not interested and are repulsed by the laws of the Torah. And it, we read it quietly because it's gruesome and it's a descriptive what the Torah describes. Just, I wanted to focus on one phrase, but just to give the context of, of, of the phrase what the Torah describes, the Torah tells us that all the cities will be laid in ruin, the sanctuaries will be desolate, and... Uh, <clears throat> I will unsheath the sword after you. The survivors amongst you will become so faint and so weak 
Torah describes that the sound of a rustling leaf will pursue you. There'll be nobody behind you, but you'll just hear a sound and you'll flee as if you're being pursued by a sword. And then the phrase that I want to highlight, the Torah describes that you will literally stumble one over another as you are running. You're running from nothing, but you're going to literally stumble one over another. The language in Hebrew is v'kashlu ish v'achiv. V'kashlu, from the word mechshol, to stumble, like lefnei iver lo sitein mechshol, v'kashlu ish v'achiv. One person will stumble over another. And the Mepharshim note that the phrase is a little odd because instead of just saying it one person over another, the language is v'kashlu ish v'achiv which literally would translate into one will stumble over his brother. Why is that the phrase that's used to describe this terrible running away from nothingness, from a sound that will frighten you? So two comments. Or Hirsch writes that it simply def- defines the depth of exile and how despondent we will be that literally a person will push his own brother down as he runs to try to get away from nothing that's pursuing him. But even within a family, one brother pushing down another as he tries to get ahead, that just describes a picture of how bad things can possibly be. But Rashi quotes a medrash, which adds a whole new level of understanding to the entire phrase. Beyond just pushing down your own brother as you run, the phrase could literally be translated as, one person will stumble on account of their brother. And what Rashi explains is we have a concept that we're familiar with called Kol Yisrael Arevim All of us Jews are responsible for one another. And mostly we use this concept in a very positive way to say that we're all responsible so that even if one Jew, for example, hasn't fulfilled a mitzvah, let's say he hasn't heard Kiddush, and another Jew comes home from Shul and he heard Kiddush and he ate in Shul, he's Yotzeh, he's fulfilled that obligation. But because there's someone who hasn't yet fulfilled the obligation, the Jew who has not yet fulfilled the obligation can say Kiddush for the person who hasn't, even though that or the person saying Kiddush already fulfilled the obligation, but there's another Jew who hasn't fulfilled the obligation. So if there's any Jew out there who hasn't fulfilled an obligation, it's like, I haven't fulfilled my obligation. I'm responsible, so I can say Kiddush for such a person. And we use this all the time. Rashi points out there's a flip side to that. What about if there's a Jew who's doing something wrong? There's a Jew who's not fulfilling the laws of the Torah. Can every other Jew say, well, it doesn't impact me. It doesn't make a difference in my life. Why should I be impacted by that? So Rashi tells us, no, the same concepts apply. Every Jew is responsible for someone else. If there's one Jew who's not doing, living, acting appropriately, the entire Jewish people is affected by that. And that's the language of v'kashlu ish b'achiv. We are all brothers. We are all connected. We all come from the same source. And therefore, when we talk about these terrible calamities that will fall the Jewish people, Rashi says it can even be if there's a group of Jews not doing the right thing, all of us are considered as if we're not doing the right thing, and we will stumble on account of our brothers because we're all arevim zebazet. We are all responsible. I thought, like, here's the place to teach that in this terrible description of one person stumbling, not just over his brother, but now another level of on account of his brother. In this terrible description, you have to teach me the rule that we're all responsible? I think there's really a deep lesson in a sense. Yes, 100%. We are all responsible. And it's also the Torah is giving us the way out of this. How do we get out of these terrible calamities? Is that same lesson of feel and hold ourselves responsible for one another. We are all in this together. We are all brothers together. 
I, I literally, I, I just spoke to, we're having a speaker next week in celebration of Yom Yerushalayim, Rabbi David Gottlieb, who's uh, the executive director of an organization called Salash. It's a Hal Shem Shabayim, uh, working on the religious uh, soldiers in Israel and providing them with all of their spiritual needs. So I called him on Friday just to work out some final details for next week. And he lives in Beit Shemesh. So I, I said to him, I said, I, I heard there's, there were sirens in Beit Shemesh even, right? He said, uh, yeah, 100%. I said, is everyone Okay. He says, let me tell you, this is a crazy day. He, he said, we made a bris for my first grandson this morning. I knew they were having a baby. That was all part of our arrangements of next Shabbos, making sure the timing would work out. Mazel tov, everything is great. He said, we got home and not 15 minutes after we got home with my daughter, our son-in-law, our new grandson, and our daughter is changing the baby for the first time post-bris. Anyone who's had the opportunity to change a, a baby right after the bris, it's a traumatic experience. So she's changing the baby. She just takes off the diaper. And literally, we're 10 minutes in the house, and the siren goes off. Just panic. Our Ahmad, the room for the bomb shelter is in, and our bottom floor. Everybody's got to get everything downstairs. The baby, the diapers, everything. My daughter is crying, screaming. And while we're all running around the doorbell starts to ring, but not like a single ring, like an Amazon delivery, like a ring, a ring, a ring, a panicked ring. I poke my head out the window just to see what's going on outside, and I see the streets are filled with mothers running with their children from the local school that's just up the block. Open up the door, and there's a group of people standing in front. Beit Shemesh is not like Sterot, where you have public bomb shelters every 15 feet outside. Beit Shemesh has had three sirens in 19 years, he told me, that he's been living there. So the only thing they have is every apartment has a ma'amad, but there aren't public shelters everywhere in the streets. So all of these mothers who had picked up their children from school needed a ma'amad. So he says, in the craziness of going out of my house, we take in 25 total strangers, women and their children who need a place. We cram into this bomb shelter. My daughter is not the only one crying as this is going on. And sure enough, within three minutes, there are these two loud booms as the Iron Dome took out two missiles directly over our houses. I have the pictures. My neighbor took pictures right outside the house were these big explosions. That's, that's an example of Achim, where all these brothers, and everybody would have done that in Israel, because it's one family. You need a mamad. What, you're going to turn a person away? Of course not. It's our family. You bring them all in. And that midah, that feeling that we are all in this together, we are all responsible for another, one another, is indeed, that's how we get out of these terrible descriptions of what will happen. We have to feel that. We have to be able to be connected. So how does that help us? We're so far away. We're not opening up our ma'amad. It's not relevant to us. Not only is it not relevant to us, I could say there is not a single person in our shul who went to sleep last night and worried about where is the nearest bomb shelter if I wake up at three o'clock in the morning with a siren. It's just, we're, we're so far removed from that. We don't think like that. But every single person in the land of Israel went to sleep Friday night and thought about... Where is the nearest shelter that I'm running to if at three o'clock in the morning that siren goes off? And we, far away, two things. Number one, cannot ever be guilty of, I have no idea what was going on. I wasn't aware. That can't be. If Achenu, B'nai Yisrael, our brothers and sisters, are going to sleep at night, worried about where they're sleeping, the first step is that we're aware of that. We're sensitive to that need of what it is that they're experiencing. And the second is to be able to take advantage of what we have this morning, to be able to invest in the land of Israel. What an opportunity to show solidarity. What an opportunity to say, we are all in this together. We're going to build this country, all the security, everything that they need, 100% together. And I'll just add, you know, anybody, in bonds is not a gift. We're not looking for, it's not stucca. You're investing in the land of Israel and you get the money back plus. 
And you'll tell me it's not the greatest investment ever. There are returns that you can get greater, 100%. If your measure of your return is how many dollars you earn in the investment, Israel bonds is not going to be your greatest investment. But if you measure the return based on how much of an achim, how much of a sense of brotherhood, how much of a sense of responsibility of being together in something are you participating in, then there is no greater investment of being able to say, we are in this together. Even though we have the safety and security of New York right now, we feel your pain and we're going to invest in everything that you need to make sure that you are safe and secure. Wishing everyone a wonderful, wonderful day and safe and healthy week.